Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. So, yeah, so we're on to go. Anyone love Monopoly? Yeah? Who likes to win at Monopoly? Yes. It's a great game, isn't it? That, do you know what the word Monopoly means? Yeah, it's ex- it means exclusive power. So what you're trying to do in Monopoly, you're trying to crush your opponents economically. You're trying to grind them into the board, aren't you? So, you know, you, you buy more properties, you buy more houses, you put hotels up. You just keep charging more and more rents until they crumble under the power of your economic empire. It's a great game. <laughs> it's about domination. It's about, it's about rendering your opponents bankrupt. And, um, you know, it's... <laughs> It is a great game, but the ethics behind it are somewhat questionable. Um, in Monopoly, you monopolise through the, a, a different sort of power. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a power that Jesus carried over the next sort of six weeks or so in this series. We're going to talk about the, what's called the Great Commission sometimes in Scripture, this, this invitation from Jesus at the end of his life on earth in physical form to go, to basically go and, and make disciples. Um, Jesus came from a different perspective. He wasn't looking to have dominion in the same way that you understand dominion through something like monopoly. He wasn't using power in the same way. And we're going to explore that over the next uh, few weeks as well. So Matthew 28 is our text. You can turn there if you've got a Bible or your phone. But I thought we'd watch um, a video from the film Son of God just to set the scene where we are uh, in the life and the story uh, of Jesus. So we'll just watch the screens for a few moments. Peter, everyone, the tomb is open. He's alive. That's not possible. I saw him. Mary, maybe it was someone else. You think I'm mad? Peter, see the tomb for yourself. Now, do you believe me? But he's gone. Gone? No. He's back. I need a cup and some wine. What happened? His body. His blood. I am the way. The truth. No, this isn't real. 
Thomas. Stop doubting. the Holy Spirit comes to you, you'll receive power. The power of the Holy Spirit can be with you all, whatever you are. Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Peace be with you. dramatization of the last moments uh, of Jesus being on earth there and you can see this this incredible power this great commission that, um, that Jesus shared with his disciples on the screen there Matthew 28 so the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go and when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, the very end of the age. And so over the next six weeks, this is going to be our, our passage. We're going to expand this and look at this uh, together. Have a break on the 1st of March for Vision Sunday. And we're going to look at this instruction, this invitation from Jesus to go, to go. What's important here is Jesus isn't, isn't shooing you away like an overstayed guest. <laughs> he isn't saying, will you just go? You know, will you just get out? Will you just go? You know, that, isn't the, that isn't the influence of the word that Jesus is using here. The word spoken by Jesus, it means much more carry on the journey. Keep going. Continue on in the way that you've been. And so it's, uh, it's an invitation to continue. It's an invitation to continue to follow to, to be in step with the Spirit, to be in step with the rhythms of Jesus. Over the last five weeks, we've spent hands of grace that Jesus invites us into. And, and the word, the invitation to go, isn't at odds with the invitation to come that Jesus gave. 
The coming and the going are both under the presence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So we're not, we're not sort of doing a 180 at this point in terms of our, in terms of our teaching series. We, we're trying to bring together the invitation to come and the invitation to go. And we said that Jesus' great uh, fruitfulness came in his ministry from the, the private prayer and the public ministry. This, this kind of rhythm of retreat and connection with community and retreats. And that's what we're trying to grow in uh, as a church community. We're trying to increase this rhythm of, of retreating to quiet and stopping and refreshing, getting our souls nurtured, and which will give us confidence uh, in, the, in the public space, in the place where we connect with community. And what I love about that video, it's clear there was no in and there was no out at that time. Jesus wasn't talking to a load of Christians inside a church building and saying, you've got to go out from in here. You've got to get out there. They were on a mountainside. There was no church building. There was no church structure. There was no church as you and I understand it today. Jesus was just encouraging his disciples to continue their life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's wonderful because sometimes we use this passage as a, as a kind of a boot up the backside to say, go on, Christians, get out there and do something. You know, go out and, and, and evangelize. Go out and, and, and do something. That's not the rhythm that we're trying to come to uh, through this series. We're trying to gain confidence in the presence of the Holy Spirit in every part of our lives, whether we're gathered here, whether we're in our quiet space, or whether we're in our public space, our workspace. The Holy Spirit promises to be with us and to never leave us. The promise from Scripture here is to the very end of the age, I'll be with you. So wherever you go and whatever you're doing, the Holy Spirit is right there with you. Right there with you and uh, looking to encourage you uh, in terms of the, of the kingdom. And so we start from this place of, of, of Jesus commissioning the disciples and saying, go in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, all kingdom authority has been given to me. It's a grand claim from the mouth of Jesus. All authority has been given to me. The word there is exousia, and it means the right to govern. But not only the right to govern, the power to govern. So Jesus was saying, all authority, all power, all, all strength has been given to me in the heavens and the earth. Everything that's seen and unseen is now comes under my jurisdiction. It's all being given to me. The exousia expands to everything, the seen and the unseen. I carry that now. And that's what he was declaring to this handful of people on this mountainside some 2,000 years ago. When we think about the word authority, you can often it now has a negative connotation, doesn't it, in our lives? We think authority is something that oppresses or controls or dominates. And more often than not, in current culture, the authority that we see is often corrupt or corrupting. It's a, it's a wrong exercising of power often we see in public life. And we don't tend to trust authority like we used to. We, uh, we're nervous of authority. We, uh, we're suspicious of authority. It was Lord Acton who said, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what he, what he saw was that the more and more power someone got, the less they felt morally obligated with that responsibility the more they felt they were, could kind of do what they wanted to do. 
Who can forget Jafar and Aladdin? I want to be the most all-powerful genie. You know, he wanted absolute dominion and power and authority and the, and the corrupting nature of that. And so, as power increases, morality can decrease. And Jesus would have known as he made this statement, he was familiar with the Roman occupation, he was familiar with the Roman authorities. Emperors like Julius Caesar had been declared divine by the Roman Senate. They, they, they'd been given a status that was above any degree of accountability. Uh, his son Augustus went on to be called the Son of God. And so when Jesus went around saying, I'm the Son of God, Augustus would have said, hang on, I'm the Son of God. And there would have been, there would have been this, this conflict of powers that was taking place with the Roman occupation. So we have to understand just how, how rebellious it was for Jesus to declare himself the Son of God. When the coins that the, the Jewish people saw, the Roman coins, would have had the divinity of Augustus declared upon them, that he was the Son of God. And that's, that you can see the conflict of the kingdoms that was taking place. And so Jesus would have known the pain and the oppression that the Romans wrought with their authority. They ruled with an iron fist, they ruled with the sword, they ruled with the cross. I'm reading a book called Dominion at the moment. It's a historical novel about the formation of the Western mindset. And it goes into the, the, just the, the power that Roman exercised on the ancient world. They would line roads into cities with crosses. And if you rebelled, that's where you would be. And so as you walked into any Roman-occupied city, you would walk past a strong threat not to rebel against the authorities. Because you would see cross after cross after cross after cross of people who try to stand against the power of the Roman Empire. So Jesus knew all that, and yet he stands there and he says, I have all authority. I have all authority now in heaven and earth. I have the power, I have the ability, I have the exousia, that all authority has been given to me. So why was Jesus qualified to wield this power? Why wouldn't the absolute power corrupt him in the same way that it corrupted those who'd gone before him. The key thing was that Jesus' power came through a different route. Most people come to power through domination or control or subjecting the people beneath them. That's how power normally comes to pass. You look through history, you'll see that pattern repeated over and over again. But Jesus didn't go high, Jesus went low. That's how his power came about. That's how the exousia he was granted came about. That's what we're going to look at today. He didn't dominate, he served. He didn't subjugate, he came to basically serve those who he came <coughs> to be king over. He didn't demand, he invited. He was the king, the servant king who we sung about today. He came to power through a completely different route. The Apostle Paul gives us a window in the letter to the church in Philippi. Uh, he writes this. He's talking about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' authority came via 
this route, this, this choice to go low, this choice to serve. And so when Jesus walked the earth, he didn't dominate people, he healed people. He served people, he, he fed people, he freed people, he taught people. He washed the disciples' feet as a demonstration of what kingdom looked like under his rule. And then he humbled himself, as the scripture tells us, by going to the cross, the most degrading death you could suffer at that time. The death that was reserved to degrade and humiliate and dominate, that's the death that he had. And by doing that, he put death to death. He chose the way of the cross. And because of this journey, this going low, he now carried the exousia of all heaven and earth. He, he had the authority. It's been given to him and been granted to him. And it was in this authority that he invites you and I to go. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, now whenever you see a therefore in scripture, you need to know what it's there for. Okay? So the therefore is here because Jesus is saying, this authority that I have now been given, you are going to go in that authority. It's a different authority than the authority you've been used to. It's a different way. It's a different approach. It's a different way of bringing about dominion over the whole earth. Let's look for a moment at the story arc of Jesus. So Jesus is God, yeah? Happy with that? But the scripture tells us that he chose to make himself nothing. He, it says that he became a servant. It says he came to be God with us, Emmanuel, God in flesh. And so we're only just the other side of the nativity story. We know he came to an incredibly humble beginning in a, in a stable, um, a nothing place with no one. He, he, he grew as a carpenter and then began his public ministry. But there was no entourage, there was no fanfare. There was no support. There was no royal birth. His whole life was marked by the servant attitude uh, of becoming nothing and humbling himself uh, as a servant. And that was ultimately expressed by his choice to go to the cross. He says in John 15, there's no greater love than he who lays down his life for his friends. And so he became the ultimate servant. The ultimate low point in his story was going to the cross. And then he stands in Matthew 28 in resurrection life and resurrection authority. He rises from the grave. His disciples suffer three agonizing days of wait and torment, and yet he reveals himself to them and says, I'm back, and now I carry all authority. I've defeated death, and I commission you, I invite you to go in the power of the Spirit. And this is the, this is the shape of the ark. This is the shape of Jesus' story arc. Okay? Let's have a look at the disciples. Jesus calls them. He says, will you follow me? Will you leave what you're doing? Will you, I've got a new story for you. I'm inviting you into a new story. I'm calling you into my story. Will you follow me? And so he speaks to tax collectors and he speaks to fishermen. And he speaks to the ordinary people and says, will you follow me? Will you come after me? I'm going to show you a new way, a new rhythm a new way of doing life. And so they follow him. He says you need to repent. Metanoia in the Greek. You need to turn away from your own ways. You need to turn to my ways. You need to put those things behind you. So have all these amazing metaphors in the scriptures about leaving nets behind and different things. And, you know, basically, will you turn away from your stuff and yourself and will you turn to me? 
Colossians 3.3 says that we die and we're hidden in Christ. And so when we choose to follow Christ, there's this point at which we, we turn away from ourselves and we turn to Christ. And then the disciples receive resurrection life and they receive authority. And they, they go out and they begin to see healings and deliverances and these incredible stories. Notice the shape of the ark. Okay? Let's think about our story arc now. So the disciples go, they go to people. They go to people like you and I. And they invite them into Jesus, to follow Jesus. They invite us in and they invite us, they call us to come to Jesus and to receive Jesus' life and Jesus' resurrection power. And that's what happens. As we come to Jesus, we experience the life of Jesus. Notice the shape of the ark. Now, the, what are you seeing? It's the same. It's the same trajectory, the same shape over and over again. And that is exactly what the shape of the ark is. Let's look at Paul's writing here in Philippians 3. He says this about his own life. He says, Whatever gains were to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. In the Greek, the word there is dung, or you can fill him in the modern derivative. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Notice the story arc. It's exactly the same. I want to know Christ. I want to know, do you want to know Christ? I want to know Christ. And to know him, I participate in his death and in his sufferings. And somehow, I attain the resurrection from the dead. It's exactly the same story arc over and over again. John Wimber was one of the forerunners of the Vineyard Movement, and his wife Carol, in the book The Way It Was, describes the moment that John realised that his music career was at odds with the call on his life. He was a very successful musician and producer. Uh, he worked with the Righteous Brothers. You know, you've lost that loving feeling. And, um, and uh, he recognised there was a point at which the two were incompatible, so he left his music industry, and he got a job in a factory. And one day, an old friend looked him up, and they, they went into the factory, and they found him with his head inside an oil drum, and he was cleaning out an oil drum, and he was covered in oil. And John sort of pokes up and says, hi, hi, nice to see you. And the guy says, what happened to you? And John said, well, well, Jesus did this to me. And the guy said, he's not doing it to me. And he legged it out of the factory. <laughs> and for John, the shape of the story arc was exactly the same. To, to really push into what the Holy Spirit had for him in his ministry and his life, he had to go low. He had to leave stuff behind and, and end up doing these very menial jobs. But then the servant heart that was being refined and released him began to come to expression. It's always the same. The, 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 the path, the ark in Christ is always the same. It's always the same. We start, we go low, and then through that comes the resurrection life 
and the power that Jesus offers. We would love it to be like that, wouldn't we? That's what we would really like it to be like. Onwards and upwards, bigger and better. On and on. No death, no suffering, no pain, no going low. Just better and better. On and on, up and up. And sometimes the church has fallen into the trap of believing this is the shape of the ark that Jesus gives us. Bigger and better. Stronger, power, authority, control, domination. But that's a seduction. That's a different sort of exousia. That's not the exousia that Jesus spoke about and commissions and calls us into. The shape of Jesus' ark is never this shape. And anybody who follows Jesus, the shape of their ark is never going to be this shape. You can all probably put your hand up this morning as a follower of Jesus and recognise the shape of the ark in your life, yeah? The going low, the the going into the pain, into the suffering, and then experiencing the resurrection life. And guys... The bad news, or the good news is, this doesn't just happen once. This is a repeating arc that happens throughout your life. You don't just go low once. You go low repeatedly and repeatedly. Because to know Christ is to be taken into his death and somehow experience his resurrection. And we experience that over and over again in the life of Jesus, as we go in the authority of Jesus. That's why Colossians 3 says, you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. But we keep trying to kind of peek out, don't we? We keep trying to get, hi, still here, still here. And so God goes, dunk, and we kind of get back on the altar, and God deals with a a different part of our life, and we go low, and then we experience resurrection life, and then we go into another wave. This is always the shape of the ark. This is always the shape of the trajectory that Jesus invites us into. And it's because of this ark that we can exercise the authority that Jesus wants to give us as he commissions us. It's because of this nature and this shape that we get to carry the exousia that Jesus talked about in Matthew 28. It qualifies us to carry the authority. It qualifies us to carry the kingdom power. We never use that kingdom power to exclude people, to dominate people, to control people, or to coerce people. That's never the way that the kingdom authority should be used. It has been used that way in the past sometimes in churches, and that's wrong. That's never the way that kingdom authority should be used. The pulpit should never be used as a way to control or coerce people. But it has been used in that way in the past. That's not the shape of the the ark that Jesus invites us into. We win hearts and minds for Christ through this shape. We win hearts and minds for Christ by serving them, by going low, not going high. We use the authority that God gives us to go in love and grace. Jesus' disciples were perplexed over and over again. Why, Jesus, don't you just overthrow the authorities? Why don't you just use your power to just go and just, just, just become king? Just be the Messiah. They believed the Messiah would come in authority and power and like a conquering king and overthrow the Roman oppression and, and the Jewish nation will be re-established. But Jesus said, no, I'm not going to use my power that way. I'm not going to use my authority that way. When he was arrested, Pontius Pilate was exasperated by the fact that he remained silent, even under cross-examination. And Pilate says to him, don't you realise I've got the power of life and death over you? And Jesus said, don't you realise that I've got the power to call 
around 72,000 angels or one to. That's more than enough to do the job. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to use my power or my authority in that way because there's a different way. There's a different way that death and sin is going to be broken. Jesus never used his power in the way that the authorities, his disciples, or even the devil wanted him to use it. Then get up and walk away and people will think you're a god and you'll have instant authority. You'll have instant power. Jesus never gave in to those temptations. Let's think about our story arc here at Riverside. We go in Jesus' resurrection life and authority. We serve the people around us in love and grace, and we call them, we invite them to know the person of Jesus. And they experience Jesus' resurrection life, and then they go in authority. And yes, you've guessed it, it's the same trajectory. It's the same arc that we try and follow as we follow Jesus. We bring people into life by serving them. As we serve people in love and grace, then their hearts are transformed and they encounter the person of Jesus Christ. So the power that you and I carry if you follow Jesus is a power to heal, it's a power to reconcile, it's a power to call people into family, it's a power to bring healing. It's a power to teach. It's a power to help people do life better. It's a power to invite people to experience God's love. And that's what going in the exuser of Jesus looks like. When the world goes high, we go low. We go low. We choose the low road, the humble road, the road of service. And through that mechanism, through this arc, people come to experience new life and love. And I hope for those of you on a spiritual journey, this is something of what you've experienced as you've come to Riverside. I hope you felt we've served you. I hope you felt loved by coming into this environment. Our hope is that we can serve you. And by serving you, you can experience the authenticity of the life of Christ. We will never seek to coerce you or control you or convince you. We will only seek to serve you and bless you. And by following this story, more and more people can come to know the truth of the love of God. And you might be sitting here today not fully convinced of Jesus, not fully convinced of what he said, but you can still follow this arc in your own life. You can choose to go low. You can choose to go low when the world is going high. You can choose to serve people around you. You can choose not to dominate or control or coerce. So I want you to think, what does it look like for any of us to go low this week? What's it look like to go low in the situations where you find yourself? What would it look like to implement this story arc into your job, or into your community, or into your family? What might it look like to, to go low and follow that, that path that Jesus blazed for us? Because as we go low, the resurrection, the life comes. Amen? As we, as we go into Jesus, the resurrection and the life comes. Jesus said, I'm the servant king. I've come as the servant king. And, and he invites us into this path. And for some of you, you might have never experienced this yet. Well, well it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's, the, it's, it's what Jesus invites us all into because there's no other way to get to the resurrection and the life apart from passing through the death. Jesus may want to put things to death in your life this week or in the months ahead. And he does that not because he doesn't like you, 
but he wants to spoil your fun. He does that so you can enter resurrection life. He knows the things that are beneficial for you. He knows the things that aren't beneficial for you. And so as we bring them to God, as we choose to go into this, this low point, God will bring us through into resurrection life. And that's the position we find ourselves in right at the start of this series. Jesus is inviting us on this journey again. And it's a repeating journey. <coughs> and some of us think, oh dear, that all looks a bit painful. all looks a bit hard. But I can promise you there is life on the other side. Because as you choose to follow Jesus, as you choose to follow his path, then the life and the power and the, and the experience that's on the other side of that is extraordinary. But we, we, can't, we can't bridge over this curve. You know, we'd like to build a bridge, wouldn't we, just from one point to the other. We'd like to bridge over. Sometimes we try and bridge over our losses in life or bridge over things that disappoint us or, or things that have happened to us. I encourage you, if you've got pain in your life from something that's happened to you, this is, this is the way through that pain, to go into that valley of loss, to go through that pain and allow God to meet you at that low point so you will come out the other side. Your, your head will tell you to build a bridge over loss. Your head will tell you not to go into loss because it's too difficult. The devil would love you not to think about this because he knows that given enough time, it will come back and bite you on the bum anyway. <laughs> it will come and get you, and it will mess you up. But if you choose to go into the valley of loss, if you choose to follow this trajectory in your life as the disappointments come, you will receive resurrection life and healing. And God will increasingly make you whole and make you more effective and more fruitful. So have a think this week. How, how, what does it look like to go low? What does it look like to go low with the people that God has placed around you? How might that, that look this week for you? How might that, this trajectory look in your situation? As we go through... The rest of this series, we're going to, we're going to look at the, um, how Jesus encourages us to go out to different people groups to make disciples. Jake's going to pick that up next week in our second part of our series. But Jesus said, we sung this morning in that Leyland song, God's always working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And Jesus said, my father is always at work. My father's always working. He's always working. And our, the trick is, as we go, is to, is to see what the Father is doing. You know, where is the Father working in my life? Where is the Father working in the lives of the people around me? How can I follow that kingdom arc into what the Father is doing this week? How can I get involved? What, what is God sending me to? Where is the Holy Spirit already at work? Let's stand together. I want to pray this morning for a, for a fresh uh, commissioning for us. Um, sometimes we've, we've, we've looked at this invitation to go and it intimidates us. It frightens us because we think, well, I haven't got, I'm not equipped to go. I'm, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not somebody who can speak freely about Jesus to people. There is, no, there is no qualification in this invitation to go. It's just Jesus simply saying, continue on with me. Continue on with me. God, some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts, 
Some of us love to talk to people. Some of us find it really hard to talk to somebody you're not. He's not trying to turn you into something you're not. But he does invite you on to walk with him as the person you are. He invites you into his story and uh, to experience the, the authority, that powerful servant authority that you carry, whether you realise it or not. So I want to begin today by, by praying for people who feel like they want a fresh kind of commission. They want to respond to this invitation. So if that's you, why don't you come and find a space at the front and we'll just, we'll just pray together initially. Just say, God, will you help us? Will you help to, to send us out this week? Come, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We said before, there's nothing special about the front of the room, but sometimes by doing something with our bodies, it reinforces a choice in our minds. <laughs> so by, by choosing to walk those few feet, these people have expressed a desire that God can resonate with. So that's all we're doing when we do this. We're just, um, we're just using... Uh, that choice as a way to reinforce a desire of the heart. You might not feel you want to come forward this morning. Just stay where you are. We, we don't do spectating in church, so don't just look at these people. Um, God's here for you as well. So if you want to just receive the Holy Spirit right where you are, that's absolutely fine as well. Let's just pray. But I want to pray for a, a fresh revelation of this invitation Lord whatever's gone before God maybe we've received it in a way that's scared us or has been ill-fitting for us maybe we felt guilt or we felt like we're not equipped God I just pray all that would be lifted off this morning and I pray Father this invitation would come in a fresh way today just this almost like we see you on the road beckoning to us to come encouraging us into all that you've got for us Lord let us see this in a way that excites us invigorates us God fits with who we are as people You know, I just see just that, that sense of the Lord's invitation this morning over you, just encouraging you and saying, well done, well done. I love the way that you're, you're following me. I love the way that you're responding to me. I love the way that you are looking for opportunities to, to work with me. I just felt that well done from the Father this morning, over you this morning. He just sees your heart. He just sees your heart and he wants you to say, well done, well done, well done. And there's so much more, so much more for you, so much more for you. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Come, Spirit, increase your presence. Come, Spirit. And your job isn't to convince anybody of anything. <laughs> You're not there to try and convince someone that something's true or something's real. You're just there just to serve, just to serve them in love. And God, I just pray this week, just the opportunities to serve will just, just pop up in front of us. Just opportunities, even the smallest thing, God, just an opportunity to serve and to bless. And that would open a door. That would open a door for your life to flow through. So Lord, we just take off any, any, any sense that we've got to convince people, any sense that we've got to kind of fight our corner. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're already out there working now in the hearts and lives of people around us. And I pray, God, we just catch up with that. We just fall in step with that. Thank you for all that you're doing. I just pray a blessing on these people this morning. 
Thank you, Jesus. Just a lovely sense of Jesus in the room. Just receive all that he has for you. All that he has for you. He might just put a person in your head now, just, just a face of a person that you might just want to just serve this week. It might be in the smallest way. It might be a person just pops in your head now. And God says, can you, can you serve this person in some way? Come, Jesus. I'm just going to pray now for that kingdom authority that you carry. Lord, just, I just pray for that, that exousia, that kingdom authority to just increase, to well up inside our hearts now, in Jesus' name. To well up, God. It would give us confidence, Lord. Confidence in who you are. Confidence in your love. Come, Holy Spirit. We just, we just speak against any fear now, in Jesus' name. A perfect love drives out fear. Come, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. See the Holy Spirit resting on you? God's going to give you eyes to see where he's working. He's going to give you eyes to see. Like x-ray specs. <laughs> I used to buy those comics as a kid and they used to advertise x-ray specs in the back and they were never real. They always fancied mine a pair. But, you know, you can have Holy Spirit eyes to see what the Father is doing all around you. And he's going to give you the ability to see where the Spirit's resting, to see where the Spirit's working. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. More of you. More of you. Some of you, I just feel the Lord wants you to bring disappointment to him. You might have felt like you've tried in the past. You've tried to share the gospel. You've tried to help people into God's love, and it hasn't worked, and you're disappointed by that. You, you're worried by that. I just felt the Lord just say, bring that to me. Just bring that to me. Bring that disappointment to me. It's all part of that, that arc, that going low. You know, we submit ourselves to God. We choose to go the low route. We don't look for the quick fix the quick result. We choose to follow that, that arc. We choose to go into the desert, into obscurity so that Jesus' life may come through us. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to invite the worship band to come back up. And we're just going just to worship in the last five minutes. You can stay, just receive from the Lord right where you are if you want to. We're just going to just, just put ourselves into God's presence. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.